All right. Welcome to The Big Ticket Life, where my guests are doing business and life on their terms. They break the rules. They've been through the ups and downs, the highs and lows. They've been through the struggle and they've reached the top. But they've done so because they've got a life focused on success for themselves and for those around them. They do life and business on their terms, their way, unapologetically. They are focused on success for themselves and those around them. And we celebrate that success here because we live the big ticket life. All right. All right. Well, welcome, Steve Schaubecker, to the show. Steve, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Happy to have you here. So Steve has been a part of over a dozen startups spanning many different industries. He's an expert in many areas of security, including cyber, electronics, physical security, as well as security planning. He's co-authored two best-selling books on cybersecurity. He's the host of his own podcast, the Tactical Entrepreneur Podcast, which I very much enjoy listening to, subscribe to. You should do the same. He also owns Sheepdog Firearms. I'm proud to say I'm a customer of his. He's got two locations in Illinois, in Indiana. And like myself, he loves giving back to his local community and helping others succeed in business. Steve, man, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. And I guess we're kind of back to business because you just came back from this amazing family and anniversary trip. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's as, uh, as we all know, it, it, it's very important to, you know, it's really what, what you're about is, is doing business in life your way. And if, if we are taking in uh, a slave to our business and can't get away and, and can't use our business to create the lifestyle that we want, what's the point? If I want her to be a slave to somebody, I can do that and just get a nine to five job and, uh, and, and, and not live life on my terms. So for me, it was real important to be able to, you know, get away and take some time. We were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, so we took, that is uh, awesome. took about five days and uh, actually surprised my wife uh, by bringing our kids along. She thought it was just the two of us coming, and we have three grown children, so we're just hitting that empty nest. They're 20, uh, 22, and 25, so I flew them down, and she got off the plane, and uh, that took some coordination. I'm not really good. I'm not good at all at lying, so lying to my wife is even harder because she knows me so well, <laughs> but we managed to pull it off and surprise her, and then we stayed for another five days, and listen to some country music at Luke, Luke Bryan's Crash My Playa. So just had a great time and I'm refreshed and I'm ready just to take 20, 2022 by storm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just an awesome trip. I mean, so first of all, congratulations. Obviously, you've got, you know, the, the whole conversation of work-life balance is an interesting one. Maybe we can touch on it, but you've obviously got the balance of being successful in work and being successful as a family and family man, a husband, a father, leader. Because 25 years... Congratulations. I mean, truly, that's just awesome to hear. Thank you very much. So, so what were the, what were the kids? What, what were their thoughts on it? Because I'm really big right now in my personal life with bringing the family in, uh, bringing my boys in. Uh, you know, for me, my family name, you know, it, it, in a way, kind of stops with on my watch. There's, there's a lot of cousins, but I'm not so sure those cousins are going to carry on our family name. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, so I'm looking at it like for me, family is really big for me right now. So for your kids, like just what was the proposition? Like, was it, was it as easy as, Hey, I want to fly into Mexico. I have that right. Right. You went to Cabo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, we went actually went to uh, Isla Mujeres for five days with the kids. Okay. It's, not, it's an island off the coast of Cancun. 
and then can and then then just on the mainland in Cancun with uh, okay, the white flag for the music festival. Yeah. So so was it just as easy as hey I'm, I want to fly you down here or yeah or yeah pretty much it, it was <laughs> you know so we we found one one interesting thing when our kids were younger so then when they were in their teens and I wish I had figured this out years ago was that um we we made a decision one year and said hey um instead of doing these big crazy uh, Christmas presents of things that you're not going to remember in a, in a year um why don't we take and let's take a family trek we're going to take everybody. And and then, then my parents actually came with me and went on a family cruise. Um, and then we still did some stuff for Christmas, but on a smaller scale. And boy, the kids loved it. So ever since then, I've really been focused, even with them and with myself and in my marriage, about experiences rather than things. Um, you know, we at that time, we took it, even to this day, we can look back and say, hey, guys, uh, you know, seven years ago, what did I get you for Christmas? And, and I could offer them thousands of dollars to, to name it, and they, they wouldn't be able to figure it out. But I can say that, ask about the year that we went on that family cruise, uh, and they were just like, wow. Uh, they, they, they would remember every little detail. They would remember what they had for dinner. They would remember uh, the names of some of the staff there and stuff and the things that we did and where we stopped. So for me, I wish I had done that shift earlier, um, is experiences over, you know, over things. Uh, and then that just extended to now. I literally asked the kids, I got the idea, and I said, hey, uh, um, you guys want to come join us for our 25th? Because we're a pretty tight-knit family. We see our kids a lot. We all live within, literally within five minutes of each other. So uh, my my son was actually uh, just able to, just got a full-time job a few months ago as a police officer and was able to buy our old family home. And we had just built a new home, kind of our empty nesting home. That's five minutes away. So they bought that. And then my uh, my my uh, oldest daughter lives for three houses down from where we used to. And so we're we're real tight. So yeah, That's it was just a matter cool. of asking him and making sure they could all get off because he was in a new job. My oldest daughter works for me, so she could get the time off easy. But uh, he was able to, thankfully. And then my youngest was also able to get the uh, time off. And then it was just as easy a matter of just, hey, how do I coordinate everything? And uh, so that our flight, so we don't see each other in the airport. And so that, uh, you know, that they're able to maintain the surprise. So yeah, that's very neat. That's very cool. You got to do that. And I love how you're, I love how you are tight knit. Uh, let, let's dig into the work-life balance thing because there's a lot of there's a lot of perspectives on that, right? About you know always striving to seek that balance. For me, I'm a I kind of subscribe to that work hard, play hard time frame. Communicate with family and like, hey, here here's what's coming up. Here's the reasons why the intensity is getting dialed up. Here's what it will mean long term. Here's what we're going to do prior to that. And here's how we're going to celebrate afterwards, right? Like that's kind of our communication flow in our house. Um, do you think there's such a thing as, as work-life balance? Do you think that's a, that's a fool's journey? Or do you think it's something to really, really focus on? You know, I don't know that I would call it balance, but I think you got it right. It's more like a flow. I would just call it work-life flow. Because if you communicate the things that are going on to your spouse and, and, your, and your kids, your relationship's going to be just that much better for it. And here's the other thing is, it all comes down to your why. You know, your business, why are you doing it? You know, how is it going to change the world and what's it going to do for your family? Um, and if you're all focused on that, and especially as a spouse, if you guys are united in that why, uh, you know, then the ebbs and flows of the tide and, and how things go, you know, it's like my my wife knows we just, we just went through a, uh, you know, some crazy amount of traveling. We were just going, uh, her and I, for after we got back from, uh, from uh, Mexico, a couple of days later, we left and we actually went to a leadership conference together. 
Um, and then after that, now I'm home for a couple of days and then I'm off to, uh, to Apex. So, uh, but it's just for a time and she knows the rest of the month it's, there's going to be no travel and I'll have shorter days and I'll have longer days. But as I communicate those things to her and, you know, she knows why we're doing them, um, it, it, there, there's no issue in, and we're that much tighter because of it. I like how we kind of fell into that work-life flow um, thing. I hope people listening catch on to that because, you know, the balance thing, I mean, it, it's a different way of saying work-life balance, but I think people so often overchase that that perfect balance, right? Like kind of getting the seesaw to always look like this, not this, not this, right? Like they're always trying this perfect balance and it's just, it's really taxing on the mind uh, for some people um, to uh, to go down that road. So yeah, I mean, again, kudos. I think you're doing a great job. 25 years. I'll say it again. Congratulations to you and your wife. And you had to do a lot of balance with this house build, right? Because you built a house in COVID. Yeah, we. Well, it's interesting the whole COVID thing. So, so my wife is a nurse practitioner, so she's definitely seen the, you know, the brunt, the good, the bad. Uh, you know the truth, the deception, you know, everything that's went on with the whole flow of COVID. And we kind of didn't miss a beat. We actually ended up getting really lucky with um, our timing. We actually signed our contract just before everything kind of went crazy oh. for its price. However, it was still a long journey. It was still, it was, uh, you know, really from the time we got our plans drawn up to the time we moved in, it was well over a year. Uh, and it was, it was, it was definitely, definitely challenging. Um, the challenging part for our builder was our builder seems to be a good solid guy and 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 followed through and you know did what he said he was going to do. However, most of the trades didn't. I mean, we're still yeah. chasing people to fix things like just because they did ninety five percent of the job and then the other five percent and just like uh, I've had a great education. I'm like, what? I mean, I know what not to do, but man, if they, it's just crazy how poorly run a lot of businesses are today and how, I don't know if it's just a lack of attention yep. to detail or whatever, but it's some of the things were just downright frustrating. We're happy to be in now. We love our new home, but like the frustrations were just unbelievable. You know, was it? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have a lot, we each have a lot of connections. I believe it was you. One of those frustrations was, was something with a shower head or a faucet. Oh yeah. I saw something come through my Facebook feed about, you know, just that, that last yeah. little bit. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it goes into how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Like you, you said, they do 95% of the job, but that last 5% is what counts. Yeah. I mean, it was little details. It was like, if I was uh, like, for example, if I was a plumber, uh, a couple of the things there were, uh, one was, so in our house, we, we did a lot of a uh, gray tones kind of like, and whatnot. So we decided to go with black door hardware and black plumbing fixtures. Well, uh, in, in our guest bathroom, the plumbing, the you know, the shower head was black. The uh, adjustment was black, but they put in a chrome drain and overflow on the tub. It's like, you know, the little things like, okay, you realize you're there. And this was months and months ago that these got installed. You realize there's a problem. Don't wait for the homeowner to move in months later to fix it. You know, it takes right. responsibility. And, and, and then their attitude, he was actually here trying to hear about it. I said, hey, why didn't someone just say anything and raise the flag? He said, well, we install what parts we're giving and that's our job. We're giving and that's our job. Like what a, what a crappy attitude of like, you know, just taking care of people. I'm like if you knew someone's going to say something, I mean, it looks just hideous. I mean, it, right. it's like, it's, it's not like I'm not going to notice it. You know, and then the right. same, another one was a, you know, we have 
three bathrooms in the house and one, one of them, the rest of them, they changed the toilet handle. The one they didn't. So one is chrome and the, the other ones are black. It just, just little details like that, that were just probably the most frustrating for me because having worked in the trades before, knowing that I would not let someone uh, do that. I wouldn't let that fly in my house. I wouldn't do that to someone else. I would say something, stuff happens. Even just like some things got damaged here and there. Like uh, we did a, my kids call it a whale wash, but it was a a moan shower with like body sprays and this head and that head. And it just kind of, <laughs> just kind of basically a human car wash. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and when they installed some of the ceiling tile, uh, a piece of the, uh, a chunk of the, the, the hose, as well as the hand, one of the hand sprays, got a big gouge taken out of it where like I almost cut myself when I picked it up. It's like nobody said anything until I brought it up. It's just stuff like that. Those were the biggest frustrations for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the lesson, I mean, really the lesson for anybody watching, listening is how you finish matters. Um, you know, you can, you can do everything right, but the last detail, like in my, in my retail business, uh, I shared this on the last week's episode. I'll share it on this one. Like I remind my team all the time, we are in somebody's personal bedroom. Like think about, think about your family and friends. You're, you're obviously tight with your family. But I'm pretty sure it's safe to say you don't like gather in your bedroom as a family when your kids come over, right? Like it's, it's your, you and your wife's personal space. So that extra care is so, so utterly important for the customer experience. Uh, and I think so many people get to that point. Like I think in society today, um, I know one of David Goggins quotes or, or mantras is, is, Always push for the finish. Something along the lines of always push for the finish line further. Don't know where it is. Just keep running through it, right? Well, today it, it's like if you get in eyesight of the finish line, well, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. That's good enough, Johnny. That's good enough, Susie. That's what we're teaching in school. That's what's being allowed to happen in the workplace, you know. And and folks like you and I, I mean, really, it's it's and anybody listening who's of the same mind, like the world is our oyster when everyone else has that mindset, right? Because they're there at the 95-yard line and we're just steamrolling through to the goal line. Um, so I think how you finish is so, so utterly important. Um, it really, really matters. In your case, you built a nice house and you were left wanting a little bit. So it, it, it really does matter. Um, shifting, so here's the key, Jeff. From the entrepreneurial yeah. standpoint, people don't realize that you can do an awesome job 95% of the way and you screw up that last 5%, and that is what people are going to, to matter. That 5% is either going to cause you to have exponential growth or it is, or is going to cause you to fail. And, I, and mm -hmm. I think that entrepreneurs, business owners, don't think about that often. The accountability to make sure that that experience is great all the way through can make all the difference. And, and honestly, I look at it as a fantastic opportunity because the more... Uh, people continue to slack in that manner, uh, the more I'm just going to excel, the, the better it is for me and for people like you and I. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, when you look at the 95-5 number, it's really, it's really the 80-20 principle kind of taken to the next step, right? Because when you start breaking down 80-20, you really land at 96 and 4. And so many businesses live in the 80% good enough rule. The next layer live in that 96% rule. And then the next layer, really, if you're executing in that 4% uh, 
uh, space, you're just rocking and rolling. Uh, I like to think of that last that last step. Yeah, it's in the fit, it's in the finish, it's in the details, but then it's also in how you make that customer feel in rewarding them for doing business for you. So thanking them with gratitude. You know, for us, we're sending gifts in the mail, thank you cards. Uh, we're asking for referrals. We're asking for reviews. We're making sure that we've done a good job to get those reviews and referrals, which that just perpetuates the business. So like when you say, it just takes to the next level, that's where I'm working. What are, what are you doing in your business? And that kind of like that final five, five yards, 5% of things where everybody else is pulling off the gaps. Well, for us, it's, it's interesting. So in our industry, in the firearms industry, it's, it's one of those industries that are very um, resistive to change, um, very uh, old school. We have many, many of the, our competition nearby, uh, some of them don't even use computers. Everything's still just done on paper. They're handing out uh, duplicate their receipts on uh, writing on, on paper. I didn't even know they still made those, but someone must I've be. Got a local, I've got a local shop that does that. <laughs> You know, but they're still using that and they're, they're not embracing technology. So for us, it starts from the beginning to the end. The beginning changes with the experience of trying to be different, completely turning the industry on, on end of, of how a shop, our shops are set up and, and, and how customers are treated when they walk in. And that just extends through to the end. So, and even after the sale. So the big, our big 5% differentiator is when, when we deliver a firearm to a person, uh, when they come in to pick it up, we will ask them is, hey, are, are you familiar with how this works? Do you know how this breaks down? Do you know how to clean this? Do you know what maintenance is required? Um, and if they don't, well, we'll take the time to uh, to go aside with them and say, hey, well, here's how you take it apart. Here's the kind of lubrication we recommend. And then even past the 100% finish line, uh, anything we sell, we always help them support. While we're not the manufacturer and we don't warranty it, we will try to facilitate that process as much as we can. And with firearms, they're, they're, a lot of the failures and stuff are, are pretty much the same. So if something that we can fix in house with our gunsmith without having them having to send it off, we'll do that because, uh, because we make sure we're carrying manufacturers that are going to stand behind us in that matter. And if they don't, um, they don't get sold in our shop very, very long because in the end of the day, we're supporting our customers. We're making yep. sure that, that, that they're going to come back and buy the next gun and the next gun. Just like, uh, just like, uh, it's a little different, uh, you know, your industry, one of your industries, the mattress, you know, they they have a, a limited lifespan, you know, yeah, it may be a, you know, five, seven, 10 years, whatever, but people will buy another one. They're not buying one forever. Uh, so right. they will, they'll either remember or forget you, or, you know, they'll either remember that they need to go back to you or they'll remember they need to go somewhere else. Same thing with the firearms industry. No, most, most customers don't buy just one gun. I, in theory, they could, but most times they'll either come in every few years and change them out, or we'll have ones that are uh, um, addicted like many of us. And then it's just a, uh, <laughs> hey, what am I buying this week or, uh, or this month as opposed to uh, need? And, you know, it's need is long out the long out the window. Now it's a uh, collection or fun or whatever. Right. My, wa- my wife often says, well, what, when does the gun buying stop? And I say, well, when they stop making them fun, you know? Um, I mean, that's just, that's just what there is to it. I mean, there's just so many... And, and, you know, if you're listening or watching and you've never fired a gun or guns aren't your thing, that's okay. I think Steve and I are going to give you a lot of good stuff to take away, but just on this little tangent. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun things about firearms when done safely, when done appropriately. That is just a lot of fun. I take my boys with me. They enjoy it. Uh, my wife even goes uh, with her, her, her firearm that she has and 
but they are a lot of fun. And but you said something that really rang, um, you know, that I really got down with, and that was when something breaks, Steve and his team and Sheepdog Firearms, you fix it because the customer did business with you, with your team. And in my industry, what ends up happening is we still have some of the old school duplicate stuff, like not embracing the modern, you know, modern shopping process, modern experience. But we, some, some people like to take both sides of the coin. Buy local, you're buying from me. I'm a local business. I have the better service, the better answers. But when it's a problem, oh, it was, that's manufacturer X's warranty. You have to go through that. Like to me, taking both sides of that coin is not the right way to go. Uh, you know, in my business, we, if, we, if somebody has a problem, we're going to take care of it immediately on up to replacing it, loaning something if need be. Uh, we've done things like that. But I mean, we've even just said, all right, we're going to give you what you paid in credit for our store. And we go do the battle in the background long after the customer's been satisfied. Sometimes we win, sometimes we don't with the manufacturer, but with our customer, we always, always win. So I love that you're doing that. Uh, is there any one like big example you could share that was kind of really painful for you, but paid off with the customer? Um, it's, there's not really one big one. There's just a whole bunch of, whole bunch of right. little ones. You know, uh, we've had similar situations where someone will like, uh, say they bought an AR-15 and they come in and it's having issues and there's an issue with the bolt carrier group. Well, I'm just going to hand them another one and put one in and then I'm going to deal with it on the back end. Um, I, I'm not going to take and have a customer um, wait and not be able to use their firearm, uh, you know, just because uh, there, there's a bad part that a manufacturer had. I do know that our manufacturers will, you know, 99% of the time make it right unless it wasn't an issue where uh, the customer did something stupid. But, uh, you know, but most of the time we can tell those sorts of things right away. So. It's just, it's just really, it's not really a one particular big story. It's just a whole bunch of little ones that just all add up to, in the end, customers being happy and telling their friends. And uh, just really, it even goes deeper than that for us. It's really not about uh, business in the end. It's just about doing the right thing and just making sure people are, are taken care of. Um, you know, now that being said, we, we do definitely flip to the other side of the coin of, uh, hey, if people, we've had customers come in, and I'm sure you see this where, Hey, they're just, they're being a little deceptive. It's, it's, they did something stupid and they're not taking responsibility for it. They're trying to pull one over. Well, we have no issues standing up to those, those types of folks and just, uh, let them know that, Hey, we know what really happened. Let's, let's be honest about it and let's figure out how to, how to get it fixed. If right. they want to stick with their story and just continue that, then we, we, we fired customers before too. Not, not every customer is ours to have. Uh, we, right. we're okay with that. We're completely secure in that because. We know who we are. We know how we operate. You know, we know what level of integrity we bring to the table. And we do expect something similar for those we deal with or, you know, we'll just choose not to deal with them again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about setting expectations. And I think, you know, you touched on something else across my, uh, my uh, firearms buying experiences. So for me, the genesis was I, I hunted as a younger guy, teenage years, young adult life, met my wife. She wasn't all that comfortable with firearms in the house. And truth be told, I was, my career was going like this and I didn't really have a lot of time. So I sold them off. It's been years. And in the last three years, we've added firearms back into the house and into our, into our life. And uh, 
it, in all of the all of those purchases, what you said about how you take it down, how you oil it, how you work with it, ask the questions. Do you know how to use this? Do you know where it's going to break? Do you know where the problems are? Do you know how to shoot this? Like those are things I didn't experience across eight prior purchases, I guess, in the last few years. You know across multiple places. So that's like a that's a real good testament to the experience you're putting out there. Yeah, you try. I mean, I just try to we really try to, and I'm sure you do this with your business too, but really not look through it in the eyes of what do we want to make easy or how would we do it for us? But we want to try to make it look at it like, hey, if I were a customer and set foot in that store, you know, what what would I want? What would make me happy or what would what would make me feel at ease? Um, you know, in our industry, there's such a growth and so many new shooters coming in and people coming in to the fact that needing that thinking, hey, you know what? I never thought I'd need a firearm or even to the point of maybe with my political views, I thought I couldn't or whatever the reason was. But, you know, 60, 70 percent of the customers we've seen, we're seeing now have never owned a firearm before, have never had any desire to. But after some of the stuff that went on in Chicago and area, they're really feeling the need to to the point right. of. You know, and in, in, they released numbers for 2021. This wasn't even 2020, so this wasn't even the COVID stuff. This was the aftermath of 2021 of guns sold in the United States. And uh, the state of Illinois, uh, despite the fact that we're a communist state and have some of the strictest gun laws, <laughs> um, are, uh, we sold 8.8 million guns in 2021. Now That's incredible. Now, to put it in perspective, the next closest state, number two, was the state of Texas, which of course is much bigger and much more conservative, and they sold 1.9 million. The, the third state was uh, was Indiana, which a good portion of the population is near Chicago and in Northwest Indiana. They were at 1.8 million. So it's just amazing the fact that, like you know, a very, 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 very blue leading state, which uh, with the strictest gun laws, now their their population is starting to question things and really starting to think. So uh, it's yeah. just. Uh, Interesting, you know. So, so I'm a new, I'm a newish minted citizen here in the United States. I was born in Canada, uh, lived here since the age of ten, became a citizen in September of 2019. Uh, I carry a pocket constitution every day with me in my bag when I travel. Uh, you've talked often on your podcast again, tactical entrepreneur, not just about firearms. Really great podcast that you should tune into. But you talk often about your belief in the Second Amendment. Uh, share here. Why, why is that so important to you? Beyond the business. Well, yeah, I mean, beyond the business, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll say this will, this will actually extend, to me, extend past, far past uh, just the Second Amendment it, into the whole, we'll take it into the whole Constitution. You know, it, it really, really, really goes down to the, the single word for me of freedom. And, and just mm -hmm. people being able to free to, free to choose. You know, you go into a lot of the things that are going on today in this country, um, and it's really, it's, it's trying to strip people's liberties. It's trying to strip people's ability to choose. Um, you know, it's, if, if, if something you're doing is not directly hurting someone else, you should be able to do it. Um, that goes for, if you want to own a gun, great. If you don't, that's fine too. If you want to own a hundred guns, great. Zero is just a fine number too. But, uh, Let's look at it holistically. And if it's something that, uh, you know, you're, people are against guns, that's okay. But they have the right to. And, it, and they have the right to change your mind at any given time. You know, that goes with the whole freedom of speech. That goes with freedom of the press. 
search and seizure, all those. And it, it just comes down to the fact that our constitution gives us certain freedoms. Um, and yet some people think that they can just be taken away with the stroke of a pen or an idea, or just because you don't like them, you know, I, Hey, I might not like something that a particular news station has to say, but they have the right to say it. And I'm, I'm more than happy that they do. So yeah. I think for me, it's just well beyond the second. It's just, it just goes to all of the amendments and our, our, you know, ability as Americans just to, just to be free and, and make choices for ourselves and, and not have someone else's opinion or agenda, you know, just, just shoved down, shoved down our throat. You know, you go yeah. into the whole, you know, whether mask or, 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 or vaccine or any of those things. Hey, I, I, where I stand on them really doesn't, doesn't matter. What, where I, what I care about is that you have the right as a person to choose. And, and I support that. You know, everybody should be able to pick and choose when they want. It's like, I'm fine with vaccines. I'm fine with masks. What I have an issue is when they try to, especially on the vaccine side, try to mandate people to take it just to do normal thing, normal things like go to a restaurant or, you know, ride the subway, whatever it is. To me, that's just too far. It cuts into our freedom. And uh, we have to remember yep. as Americans, we're only a generation away from communism. You know, you, you think about it, freedoms can be stripped really, really, really fast. And we all just need to remember that and just, you know, protect the freedoms uh, of others, even if they don't necessarily matter to us or we don't agree, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, uh, I, yep, hundred percent agree with you. You know, when I, when I, and we can, you know, we don't need to, it's a constitutional show, but we, we certainly, we certainly are in agreement on a lot of things. What, when I read through, especially the first 10 amendments, what I see is, is the blending of people who, who strive for personal liberty, personal freedom with the respect of governance and, and the need that governance needs to be there over the land. Like we can't just live without structure. We can't just live without um, the governance that was laid out in the original framing. And when you read those first 10 amendments, if you look at it through that lens, to me, it just makes a ton of sense. And that's why, like you, I'm so ardent, so steadfast in keeping those freedoms in place. And anything that looks like it might push us off that precipice and down a slippery slope, I, I'm, I just can't, I can't, I can't support. I can't get, I can't get behind. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and also the, the one thing people gloss over or overlook or maybe don't even know is the fact that the men that got together and wrote that document and signed that document, they didn't like each other very much. Uh, they were, they had all kinds of different views, but what they did mm -hmm. realize is that there are certain things that we should all agree on and certain things that we should, uh, stand behind and, and we should protect our ability to disagree and the rights yep. to do that. Uh, you know, and the fact that we, the, the country is what it is today is, is, is because they chose to do that. They chose to put their differences aside and they chose to, you know what, realize that we're better off together than we are apart. You know, I, I would argue that if you would sit, sit down the most conservative conservative you could find and the most liberal liberal that they, they'd agree on 90 or 95% of things. It's yep. just that five or 10% that people focus on now. Instead of the 80 or 90 or 95 that we all agree on, you know, let's just focus on what, what, what we, what we agree on rather than what we don't. But I guess that just doesn't make news, huh? You know? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't get the clicks. It doesn't uh, get the headlines. It doesn't fill the eight o'clock prime time spot, unfortunately. 
Um, you're right. You're right. We do, we do as a people have way more to agree on, way more to get behind together, way more to rally around them. Don't. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so your, your new store, I love in Dyer, Indiana. Uh, walk us through that process of building that store. Cause one of the things that I like to talk with, with the folks that I work with is, is the customer experience, right? Like, like, it's a cliched statement, but disnifying everything at every point. And we've already talked about some ways that you do that. But share with people listening, like what you did versus what the industry does to make that store amazing. And I know your opening weekend was fantastic because we, we messaged back and forth about that. But walk us through what it was like building that, that customer experience at your new location. Absolutely. So, so Dyer, we kind of uh, refer to and uh, jokingly as a uh, sheepdog 2.0. And so when we opened uh, the store in, uh, in the back in, uh, in Moni, in the Illinois store, you know, we knew we wanted to make it different. We knew we wanted to not necessarily do things the way other people do. Uh, we knew we wanted to um, look at things from the customer standpoint. So when you look at a typical gun shop, and I, I, would, I would argue that it's probably the same anywhere you go in the United States, you, you typically see three things. The one thing you often see uh, is is dark color paneling on the walls with maybe a few uh, mounted animals or something like that. The other thing you see in almost 100% of gun shops is lines and lines of glass cases. And then the third thing you see in most is a couple grumpy, grumpy guys behind the counter. So those were really the three things that we were trying to go away with. We wanted to have a bright, welcoming space. Um, think Apple Store. We actually looked at a lot of different retail uh, establishments in, in a lot of different industries. Um, and we wanted something break welcoming. We wanted something where people could feel welcome to look and touch and, you know, just browse without feeling like, Hey, I have to have this inter interaction with this guy behind the counter to do so. Um, I, I do, we wanted to do away also with the whole counter feel. Like, you know, when you go to places that there's a counter, you often get the feeling that whether it, whether the people are nice or not, it doesn't make a difference or how they treat you. It's just, okay, they're behind the counter. So There's that, a barrier. They're on one side. We're on this side. We wanted to do away with that. Yeah. So many of the other industries that, uh, you know, like I'm sure your store, for example, uh, you, you have the, when you're standing next to someone talking to them, it's a far different experience than when you're talking across a table or across, across a counter. So we knew that we had to do away with that also. And then the other thing was, of course, we wanted to make sure that our staff were welcoming it of everybody. It's right in our core values. We are welcoming. We, whether you are, have never touched a firearm, whether you're a seasoned pro, you know, regardless of your, you know, your, your sex, race, creed, religion, sexual preference, none of that. It, it makes zero difference. As long as you don't come in saying that guns should be banned, you're going to have a great shopping experience. You know, so we really wanted to look at, hey, as a customer, you know, let's not take anything off the table. Let's find solutions as opposed to just, you know, opening up a gun shop like every other gun shop. So what we found was is that the counters were indeed some of the things that were, were people were not happy with or were not getting the feel we wanted. So we designed the store without counters. There's, there's not a single counter in there. Um, all of the registers where people check out are all integrated with the display. Um, all the handguns, all the handguns are displayed on, uh, like basically floating, um, uh, credenzas, if you will, that are about four feet by eight feet. 
Um, and they have, you know, three sides of that are, are the displays. One side is a register. So we have four registers that are split without. So people could come up, walk up to and touch guns as many as they want. If they want to touch two or three, they touch two or three. If they want to touch, you know, all 150 we have on display of handguns, touch all 150. But we wanted to make it so that they could put things in their hands and make sure that they can feel comfortable without having to pick things out of a glass case saying, can I touch that one? Can I touch that one? Because the experience they were having was uh, in a normal gun shop is you, you can you can usually touch two or three or maybe four things um, before the, uh, the the salesperson gets like, okay, are we done yet? You know, and even if they don't right. say anything, yep. even if they're nice, I would get the feeling just for me, like I don't want to inconvenience them or if there's lines, you know, of customers waiting to look at things, same thing. So we wanted to make it so that they can walk up to guns and touch as many as they want. Um, that's something we started in the Moni store, but we took it to the next level. And Moni, it was actually in a cage, like a dog kennel to play off the sheepdog name. Uh, and, and then beyond that, we also wanted to make sure that things were set up logically. There was plenty of room to walk around, that people were, were greeted. So we really wanted to make it like the un-gun shop, gun shop. Um, yeah. You know, we took a lot of cues from like Apple stores and even like uh, uh, other re- other big retail, like uh, say like even like a even like a Best Buy with the integration of the checkouts, uh, you know, in, in the different areas, um, and yep. just taken off like crazy. It was uh, fantastic. I mean, it's the, the reception of it has been insane. So we actually have a lot of followers on one of our pages because we do do a lot of online sales, and we have a lot. We have a a custom. Uh, rifle manufacturing company that also does stuff online. So we have a ton of following like on social media that aren't, they're not close enough to come shop at our stores, but the, the feedback of it has just been just amazingly positive. Just like, Whoa, I wish one of these was near me. Uh, I wish, I wish we had something like that. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because a lot of people in the industry um, are pretty negative about what we're doing. It's kind of interesting is people don't like disruption. Huh. You know, they, they don't like things being uh, done differently. Uh, so what, what, so that just mystifies me. What, let me step back and then I want to ask the question why they find it like odd or disruptive or what they take. But, you know, you touched on the barriers, the glass cases, just to circle back to our, our point politically, like it, it's not surprising to me that you, with your beliefs that you just espoused, got rid of the the barriers, got rid of the glass cases, because you do want to bring people together right there in your business, which I think is great. You know, I mean, again, I, li- I like to kind of put, put little seeds out for anybody listening, watching. Uh, if you do trade shows, don't put the table out in front. Put it at the back of your space for crying out loud. I mean, you want to talk about a barrier. It's just, that's just like a, that's a two foot by six foot table for people to just walk right by you. Yep. Like put it at the back of your space. One of the easiest things you could do. But I love that you got rid of all the barriers. I love that you welcome everybody in. I love what you're doing. I, those feelings you you shared about the the salesperson getting a little a little itchy, a little twitchy about showing two or three different pieces. Uh, I've experienced most every time I've shopped. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're you're spot on. So, what is it that people find negative about what you're doing in your industry? Because I think it's fantastic. And I'm a customer. You know, I don't really know. It, it just really seems like the industry as a whole, um, it, it, most of the say, we would say 80, 90% of the shops are, are just so riveted in the way they used to do things that they're not willing to even embrace change. They're not mm. willing to even consider it. So 
I don't know what that's coming from. I, I think a lot of it might be is just a lot of them have been around for a real long time. And uh, they just think that, you know, there's only one way to do things. I mean, they'll come up with some objections and they, they're just, they're just complete, complete non-relevant. Like, for example, uh, you know, our handguns are all tethered. So there's a security system in place that tethers them to a locking yeah, bar. I wanted, I wanted you, you know. to clarify how you're yeah. doing that for those yeah. listening. So, yeah. so. so the handguns are all because the handguns can obviously walk away a little bit easier and they're more towards the front of our store are all tethered. So they're all tethered with the locking system we had a company come up with and uh, makes it easy enough for us to take them down if they sell, but also secure enough to slow down a thief. You know, at the end of the day, uh, in the picture that, that was actually as we were uh, putting together, you can see the locking bars in place, but most of the handguns don't have the tethers yet, but you can see those bars, the black bars going across. Mm -hmm. Those actually accept a, uh, a lock that actually, uh, you know, tethers the uh, a cable, steel cable to the, to the firearm that's kind of a pulls out and expands so people can get it about maybe three feet away from there so they can they can present the firearm they can see what the sights look like they can they can do a good examination of it but yet it, it won't walk it won't walk away as easily you know at the end of the day if uh, people realize if, if if a skilled person wants to steal something um they they could probably find a way to do it you know we have a lot of other security measures in place that uh make it really difficult for them to do it and make it right. out the front door but uh, uh you know they're so worried. A lot of us, well, they can't be safe if they're in a glass case. You know, it's like, well, you don't realize, you know, how easy is it for, for me to, uh, you know, yeah, okay, you can, you can even say in a perfect world, uh, uh, you're only going to deal with one customer at a time. You know, and then if you go like jewelry store and, okay, one gun out of, out of there, then maybe. But boy, you know what? You turn your head for a second, even when it's in his hands, that guy can run right out the front door with zero resistance. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, there would be some cutting and, and some other things necessary for someone to do it at our store. And, and the way our staff positions themselves, the way we're set up, it's we have we have uh, never had a firearm loss from theft uh, in our four four years of uh, business. Um, you know, and and I, there's not a lot of shops that can say that uh, that for any length of time. I mean, it, it 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 happens, but we're doing everything we can. Just we're just doing it in our way. So we get people uh, say, "Oh, well, you you don't care about your guns getting stolen." No, no, it's not that. It's just. We're just not willing to, to, to settle into the, a glass case is the only way, you know, and then, and then you get into at night too, you get into the people that'll leave those, those in the glass case, you know, how long does it take to smash a piece of glass and grab stuff? Not exactly. long at all. Ours, yeah. ours would be a little bit more difficult. You know, there would be some time spent on each firearm, getting that uh, steel cable cut and getting the other apparatus removed. And it would, it would take them some time. My argument would be that it would slow, be far easier to steal from an establishment that has a glass case, but. It's just little arguments like that that they're just saying that you know, you know it's irresponsible. It's not doing it right. Well, no, I mean, we we care more about security and actually our our background. Most of the uh, most of us are we've been in security for years. I mean, it's one of our previous businesses that we had for a number of years was uh, doing um, cameras and and all kinds of different uh, burglar alarms, fire alarms, and stuff, mainly for uh, cash counting facilities and for other facilities that were okay. really high risk. So we. We had, do have just a, just a touch of experience, so. Yeah. Uh, but we're we're just not going to settle, and we're not just going to fall into. Hey, this is how things are done. We're willing to disrupt. We're willing. To, we're, we're willing to uh, take some chances and put ourselves out there. And if hey, if we do something that doesn't work, we'll pivot and and we'll figure something else out. But we want to push evolution in the industry as opposed to status quo. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I really, I, I'm listening to your podcast. I've gotten to know that um, that that is your mo is. 
delivering that elevated experience, giving people the opportunity to experience the product in a different way that and most importantly makes them comfortable. I mean, really what we're talking about here is the established policy is guns go in cases. So the policy dictates the experience. Whereas you're approaching it from the question of what better experience can I give? And let's have on the answer of that, let's have the security policy satisfy that new answer to a better experience, right? That's really what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's figure out a way and actually put some effort into making our customer experience better as opposed to just accepting what always is. I mean, at, at that point, if you're just going to do what the guys next door are doing and not, not put any more effort, what are you going to lower your prices so that you can go out of business faster mm. or, or, you know, or, yeah. or there's nothing you're going to do different if you're not just willing to question everything. You know, uh, we see it in all kinds of interesting, even like, look at the, uh, look at the car industry, look at the, the disruption companies like Carvana are causing the car industry. You know, Carmax was kind of the first to do things a little bit different with the buying experience. And then Carvana kind of took it to the next level. And, you know, there's others doing it too, but the whole online thing. And then what you're seeing is, so from Carvana doing it, now, if you're looking at like, uh, like GM or Ford or any of their website, they're, they all have some sort of thing that's uh, offering, hey, shop at home or handle most of the purchase mm -hmm. at home. And you know what? Because customers like it. So, but it took yeah. someone to push the envelope and take a chance and to create a different way to see if it's what people actually do like and then prove, prove it out. And now the whole industry is changing because of it for the better, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, you don't even have to go as extreme as cars and vending machines like Carvana. You could just say, I'm going to do right by the customer no matter where they live. Like our friend Scott in Apex with his car dealerships. I mean, it, it seems like every week he's shipping a $60,000, $70,000 truck to somebody in our, in our group. Like yep. he, he is taking so much local business off because locally, our friends in Apex are saying, you know what? I want to do business with people that I know personally, but that also I know are going to give me an incredible experience. You nailed you know? it. And having just so, uh, we've actually bought our we, company. We just bought one one T Rex from Scott, and then I have another one there that I go. ordered that's coming in next month. And he, he, him, and his GMs, they get it. They have made it easy. So the first thing they asked me, the first thing is I've dealt with Ben, which is his general manager of his Dodge dealership. The first thing Ben Ben asked me is, "Hey, when's a good time to communicate with you?" And how do you Ooh. like to communicate? So not a that's hey, very smart. You've got a call, or you've got a thing. You don't. Well, hey, let's meet where you are, and let's figure out how the best we can do to to get this thing done. I provided him some information. Uh, and, you know, built the truck online, sent him a document. Said, okay, well, hey, here it is. Um, this is the realistically when you can expect to see it. You know, here's what, here's your price. Um, here's 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 how the delivery works. And we were off and running. It was the easiest. I bought a lot of cars in my time. I, I love, I'm a kind of a car guy. That's kind of one of my vices. And it was the easiest car I've ever bought. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was nothing like buying a car. I like, I cringe. I love new cars, but I hate buying them just because yeah. it's like pulling teeth. Like literally I'll go to the dentist over walking into a car dealership from some of the experiences I've had. Just, just. And even when you, you'll lay things out there, you know, you'll lay things out there right, right here. It's like, you know, like, well, you all walk in and say, Hey, 
here's the car I'm looking at. This is exactly what I want to want to buy. I don't need to test drive it. I've ridden in friends. I've driven friends. Uh, just, uh, can you get it? Do you have one? Can you deal or trade for one? What's the price? And, uh, how quickly can we get moving? And then they'll try to go back to their normal sales process that they know as well. Here, yep. I've got keys for this one. Let's go take a look. No, you're wasting my time now at this point. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm ready to spend money and you're not letting me, you yeah. know, let's, let's listen to the customer, you know? Yeah, there should always, all that in, in the vein of cars, there should always be an off ramp for a customer that presents just as you did in that example, right? Like, so again, so many companies, they almost like want to die on the sword of policy and procedure because uh, you, you, you touched on it earlier where it put a thought in my mind of, we need to remember we're not our customer. Our customer, as you said earlier in the show, they come in eyes wide open, maybe a little scared, maybe a little defensive, maybe a little fearful because they're in an uncomfortable position. Like you, you said, the, the last few years events have changed their perspective. You know, they don't want to go out and be like Rambo. <laughs> you know, well, that's, that's uh, Rocky in that picture. But anyway, they don't go out and be like Rambo. They just want to protect themselves. But they're coming in a little different way. So if you got those, you know, typical gun shop, old school, old hat guys, they're just going to scare that person away. And then it's going to perpetuate, oh, yeah, but all these new gun owners, you know, they're, they're just a waste of time. Well, no, they're, they're, they're really not. They're people that want to spend money in our establishment. And whatever marketing, whatever advertising we did got them here. So let's respect that, right? Um, I think it's so important for people to listen and meet. And you said it, meet the customer where they're at, uh, I think is so, so important. Absolutely. That listening portion, you just nailed it right there. Just listening to the customer and what they want. And, you know, and, and if, if they're not, if, if they're not, don't come in talking about what they want, knowing some pointed questions to ask them, you know, like the first thing we do when we have someone come in and say, Hey, how are you doing today? Um, you know, what brings you in? We're glad you're here. What brought you to us today? Hey, I want to look at guns. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, do you, do you know what you're looking for? Do you, have you purchased any firearms before? Um, or are you just looking for a first one or, uh, you know, and just let me know a little bit about where you're at. Uh, and, the, and then the, they will do that. And then from there, the next question we'll ask is, hey, what's the purpose of this particular firearm? Uh, we believe that you should buy 10 million of them. But for this particular one we're looking for today, what's the purpose? You know, and then they'll say, you know, hey, it's my first gun. I don't I don't know. I want to learn how to shoot with it. Say, okay, well, then we'll, we'll, we'll point them in the direction of something a little larger that shoots a little softer and is a little bit easier to learn on. They said, well, no, I've got a couple guns and I just got getting my concealed carry permit. I want something I can easily conceal. All right, that's a different gun. And then from there, we're, we're, and they're, they're going to ask to say, hey, you know what? My Sometimes they'll come in and say, you know, what? my buddy that knows everything about guns told me that I need to buy a SIG or a Glock or a Smith. And I'll say, well, you know what? Your buddy does not know what's best for you. Oh, really? Well, what should I buy then? I said, well, you should buy what's comfortable for you. And what's within your budget. So the first thing we're going to do is, after yep. we find out what the, what the purpose of it is, let me show you six or eight of the most popular ones in that. And I want you to pick some guns up. What people don't realize is that much like different brands of cars, say, have different seats. You know, they're all kind of like you can buy a Chevy and it may be a Blazer or it may be a truck. But, you know, some of the things are going to be similar. The same thing's true with guns. You know, you'll have grip angle. So the grip angle of a Glock will be a little bit different than a grip angle of a SIG or a grip angle of a Springfield. 
And usually you'll find one more comfortable than another. So we'll take them through and say, okay, well, you're comfortable. You're more comfortable with, say, a SIG. All right. Well, here's the options of the SIG that, that, that are all kind of feel the same. And here's the advantages or disadvantages of each one. And, uh, and then we'll walk them through the purchase instead of saying, Hey, you know what? Yeah. This one's on sale this week or yeah, this is, this is the one I carry. So this is the only gun you should buy or any of those sorts of things. It's yep. not like that. It's more of a self-driven process. And at the end of it, people feel really good because the last thing I want to watch somebody do is come in and buy a gun, get it home and then take it, shoot it a couple of times and have it be completely uncomfortable because if it's not comfortable when they first pick it up, it's not going to be comfortable to shoot. And in the end, uh, from a self-defense standpoint, if they ever have to pick up that gun to defend themselves, they are not going to be comfortable and it may cost them their life. Yeah. Well, and, and there's three words that sum up what all what you just shared in the last couple of minutes, but to the, to the point about uh, a firearms owner not being comfortable with the firearm. I mean, the more, the more statistically correct situation is they're just not going to be comfortable firing that gun at the range. They're going to be not comfortable handling it. And they're just going to set it down and not use it. I mean, that statistically speaking, as opposed to a self-defense scenario, that's the, that's the more highly uh, probable scenario, right? They're just not going to use it. And then, and then there's dissatisfaction with, with sheepdog or with wherever they bought it from. But the three words to sum up all you said in your process to help find the fit diagnose in my world, three words, tell me why. Tell me why we're shopping for a new mattress. Tell me why we're adding another firearm to the collection. Tell me why your friend recommends this. You know, uh, like for me, it's a little personal anecdote. You'll like this. So this right hand's been busted up so many times over the years. and I want to add a SIG to the collection. I don't have one, but I'm glad I shot one the other day at the range because, you know, they have loaners. The grip angle, I can't stand. I do not feel comfortable shooting it. It just doesn't work for me. But had I not gone through that process and immediately all the guys behind the counter were like, oh yeah, this is what you have to have. Okay, well, we'll try it, but it just didn't work. And, uh, had I not been paying attention to that, I might have bought one and then been upset at the recommendation. But that tell me why those three words are so powerful and really can work for yeah anybody watching, anybody listening can take those three words, take that process that Steve laid out, mold it for your business and put it into place. You will have happier customers. So you said you said you want customers to purchase 10 million guns. So like your your frequent buyer card, is it like the size of a sheet of plywood? Uh, we'll we, stack, we, st- we stack them up, you know, we just stack them up. They'll, they'll have a couple, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So as we get to the top of the hour, um, what's next? What's next for you? What's next for Sheepdog? Uh, you know, the, the, we're really not sure. I, I, we see some expo- exponential growth happening. We're already picking out a couple locations. We're going to for sure have a couple more locations in Illinois. We're in some talks with some folks of taking this concept nationwide. So. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, we'll see what's uh, what's meant to be with it. Um, you know, it's, what's what's really for me as an entrepreneur. What I'm trying to build is trying to build something that's going to uh, you know run on its own. While I love interacting with with customers and some of those sorts of things, um, I definitely have the vision for helping other businesses do what uh, we did. So, um, the tactical entrepreneur actually will, will soon be uh, opening up a consulting. Uh, Portion where uh, my partners oh, will, very cool. will be 
we'll be, uh, you know, going out to help some other businesses out there, uh, help them uh, do what we did at Sheepdog. And uh, that's what I think what people don't realize is uh, uh, business is business. And I, I know mm-hmm. uh, you would say the same thing of, hey, uh, if you know what you know, you can go into any industry. Um, and if you do it right, you can uh, you can dominate. Um, you know, there's there's very little difference. Uh, you know, retail is retail. I'll say you'll break it down. You know, retail is retail. You know, I know you you would also say that, but you'd say that hey, you know what? If I want to branch into something else, uh, being in the mattress business, it, it's very so much similar to so many other things. And it's it's really just a matter of uh, getting that customer experience in mind, making sure all your systems and processes are the same, using technology to your advantage, um, and then rinse and repeat. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, listen, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, on that note, just as Steve has bought trucks from our friend Scott, if you're so inclined to uh, purchase something from Steve, you can reach out to sheepdogfirearms.com. Uh, I can say I am from a far customer, a from a far customer, uh, a very happy customer. Just as a little side note, I cleaned that. Uh, Took me a little while to get out and shoot the uh, AR pistol you made for me, but I got it out a few weeks back, shot it, shot it again, and then cleaned it. And I, I'm going to tell you, the, the quality of what you put together is just astounding to me uh, for what I paid, uh, especially compared to other rifles that I paid for um, on the same platform. But I unequivocally can give Sheepdog and Steve and his team a glowing endorsement They'll walk you through the process and you can, you know, if you need to buy ammo, they can help you with that. They can help you with, uh, with firearms, uh, goes without saying he's going to do everything, dot every I and cross every T of course, but, uh, you certainly can buy something from afar and and I can't recommend Steven and Steve enough. Thanks. So, so thanks so much, Jeff. And yeah, by all means, if you reach out, please be sure to, uh, reference that you, uh, saw me on the, the big ticket life podcast with Jeff. You send an email to that info at cheapdogfirearms.com and uh, we'll be certainly to take extra special care of you. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Steve, it's been a pleasure. Welcome back. I look forward to seeing you later this week. I'll have a uh, fresh t-shirt for you in your size and uh, can't wait to uh, hang out this Friday with you and all the other amazing people at Apex. And uh, thanks again for joining me. It was a really well, good thanks show. Thanks again for having me, Jeff. Uh, look forward to... Uh, seeing where the future takes you and big ticket life and uh, all those sorts of things. But uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Been a great conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next week, people. Take care.